1: Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash keepstock to learn more. Granger For the ones who get it done.
3: Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package... The only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.
4: All right, here we go. Our last show. Well, I guess it's not the last show. Our last show talking about preseason. We will have another show before the first game. But, Ken McCusick, how are you doing? Did you like that preseason game number five?
5: Uh sure did, Josh. How are you doing?
4: I, I'm doing well. Um, I didn't think there was anything worse than preseason week four until it was turned out to be the fifth game this year.
5: Yeah. And, so. and to have two injuries like that happening in the fifth game is is uh, is bad news. And uh, the injury to Stanley Jean-Baptiste has put him out for the season here. He's on IR and he can't be returned and uh you know that was a guy who we were planning to have make the roster yep. and then worse news came later and i i was not aware of this when i made my initial roster predictions so we have some adjustments to make as we go but kenny young apparently has some sort of knee injury and he's projected to be a starting inside linebacker so it's a much more serious injury with sjb was the sixth corner on the team but but uh uh, Kenny Young, being a starter, is a very, very serious injury to have in the last preseason game.
4: But that's not supposed to be as major of an injury. That's not that's, an IR
5: candidate, right? That's true. He is he's not on IR right now, so we hope for the best, but uh, but we certainly fear the worst. Sure, sure. you got to go in prepared for that.
4: Um, yeah, the latest news on that is he's getting an MRI on his left knee tomorrow.
5: Okay, that's not good. Okay.
4: Right, right. Of course not. Mm-hmm. So... All right, uh so yesterday, the Ravens won their thirteenth preseason game in a row. Um, yeah, what I learned from preseason this year is that they should cut preseason down to two to three games. yeah, I think a lot of people
5: are saying that have an eighteen game regular season two two games of preseason as it is, uh you know the Ravens have been so injury conscious this off season they've had a very cream puffy camp they did play some opponents at least but they they didn't play tackle football at any time during camp not at any time so they didn't have one tackle practice the the uh the whole time so anyway i right. I, I thought they they went out of their way to avoid injuries they've been doing a great job until the, the this last game and of course this is a live fire game there's nothing you can do about it so uh you know they had a couple people go down and that's really bad news
4: right that's the jerry jones was pushing that this week about. Two uh, preseason games and then an 18 game schedule, I'm not necessarily pushing an 18 game schedule I'm pushing cut down the preseason games. I don't know if we
5: need more regular season but less preseason I think the idea is with with two uh, they, they couldn't do less games without taking a hit to revenue so right. they're not really they're not really crazy about doing that so they, they want to do an equal number of games ticket revenue will go up slightly TV revenue will go up a lot. And they'll have a uh, you know a product that I hope is still very good with two weeks of of um, um, preseason games. There'll be probably more focus on practices with other teams in that kind of a format that you do more like what the Rams did with the with the uh, sorry what the Ravens, Ravens did with, did with, with the, the Rams Colts. and the Colts. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah uh,
4: and and I understand that. It of course it always comes down to money. I would love to see if they make that adjustment for them to put a second bye
5: week in there as well. Yeah, you know they had that at one time, and it made some sense when they had an odd number of teams, for example, and and, and for other reasons as well. But I really didn't like the double bye week. It just just was my feeling. You can do you can do a, be a lot more fair with teams with the double bye week, though. You can always have their you know the sum of their bye weeks equal up to some particular right. number, and then they yeah.
4: But I think the double bye weeks has to come if you're going to expand to 18 games and go to Mexico and London and wherever else they want to take the
5: NFL yeah so they they'd really need to have they really need to have then a twenty week season, yeah, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to start the season a little earlier and end it right. end it later so that's exactly okay.
4: um because that's what we want is more football right yeah uh there's many people who do want that, but anyway, that's not why people are tuning into the podcast today. Everyone is tuning into this episode because as we record, there is now less than twenty four hours until the Ravens have to get their final cuts in four p m on Saturday. They have to get their cuts in.
5: That's right. So very exciting, very stressful time for a lot of families and players out there. So we we feel sorry for you, and yet we clinically dissect the roster and talk about who's going to be uh, cut in a fairly cold manner. Sorry about there, that.
4: There's one guy I don't feel sorry for.
5: Yes, and and I, you know I'm going to make you a bet. You can't go the entire show without saying his name or without smirking either. Uh, I
4: have no need to say his name. The listeners know who that name is. In fact. I was getting tweets this week asking why I dislike this person so much, which I thought uh-huh. was strange that there's someone out there who actually likes this guy.
0: So, uh, let's, uh, so let's, let's let's keep going here.
4: Let's get, <laughs> yeah, let's get to it. Um let's let's just jump right into in into your roster breakdown. This is all up on Russell Street Report. We're going to talk through it, but if you want to read or if you need to go back and and go over this after we go through this just going over to Russell Street Report. It's right there on the front page. It's predicting the 53 by film study. Um, let's jump in. Let's go straight into the offensive line.
5: Okay, so we got a little bit more to talk about this in the article. Normally, this is kind of like a like a pared down version of what's in the article, particularly in terms of some of the technical notes. But because a lot of the roster development stuff is developmental in nature and it's more some subjective judgments about is a better than b or is b better than a because of various factors we we, we can talk about that a little more detail on air here but i have nine offensive linemen making the team the six locks i think everybody agrees on ronnie stanley at left tackle is the foundation which if we do not have him active it is a very bad thing and then the other five locks are james hurst alex lewis matt scura Marshall Yanda, and Orlando Brown. And exactly how those guys will line up, with the exception of Yanda, is one of the mysteries come opening day. Right. This
4: is is where the the center discussion comes in. So who do you have of of those nine? Who do you have in that center position?
5: Well, I'd say for the first game, I think it probably will be Matt Skura playing at center. But I think ultimately this year, Alex Lewis is going to move to center at some point. James Hurst will take over again at guard. Uh, Marshall Yondo will, of course, still be right guard, and Orlando Brown at right tackle. Which I think he, I think Orlando Brown will be at right tackle from the first game on. I don't think there's any question about that now. All we right. do. We, there are there are three backups that the Ravens need to anoint, and this is where there there's maybe some roster movement uh, over the course of the next few days, and, and in fact any day up till the opener. But uh, Brad Bozeman, the sixth round pick, Jermaine Illuminor and Nico Ciragusa, I have making the team. Uh, Jermaine Illuminor has played left tackle in the last game, in fact, for the last two games, and has looked pretty darn bad in that role. I think we've seen enough of Illuminor to know he's not the answer at tackle. They've already cut Andrew Denal and never tried him on the left side, so he was a guy I would given a 30% chance the last time we talked about roster discussions to make it, and he's not going to. They they probably will try and get him on the practice squad. He's a fourth-year player. But uh, but they don't really have another guy at tackle, so they're going to have to go out to the open market and find a guy who can play tackle. I don't think they can go in with Illuminor or Hurst or Lewis being their backup tackle option. I think they need to try and find somebody who is a pure tackle and a and a a zero pass blocker, not a not a plus pass blocker, not a negative plus blocker, just a guy who's who's right at. Uh, you know a league average in terms of uh, being able to pass block somebody who can we can trust with Flacco's blind side right so that uh, I think is yeah, and th- this happens every year like
4: players get cut tomorrow there'll be good football players that are cut tomorrow because the team just couldn't find a way to keep them they had too many tackles for instance so there's going to be guys who are who are better than Illuminor that can come in and fill that role
5: yeah in in theory that 's true and I, and I think the Ravens certainly have some players who are who are very good and can go to other teams and they have three guys in particular we're going to talk about a little later who I think really have some trade value. Kemelai Correa was already traded, obviously had some trade value but but the the uh at offensive tackle it 's a difficult size and shape position to find so here 's the key when you when you go into these three positions it 's very difficult to find replacements for easily one is offensive tackle because they require very tall men with long arms, and it's just a a difficult position to find the exact uh, mix of height and weight you want, along with the football skills that are required to do that. Uh, Five tech is another one, because you want a very tall guy who can deflect passes, And still push offensive linemen into the pocket. It's a very difficult physical match to to, to find. So, you know, there's certain positions where where they're difficult size and shape matchups. The third one would be outside cornerback because they tend to be long guys with tremendous speed. So, uh, also hard to find. So, you've got those three positions are really the, the difficult ones. Other positions like running back, inside linebacker, they're a, they're a very large pool of human beings that are in the right approximate size and shape. Now, the athleticism is another dimension to that, but there's a large number of people who are in the right size and shape, it's easier to find those guys on the street than it is to find these other size and shape positions. So the Ravens needing a left tackle is a difficult is going to be a difficult position to fill, and they'll probably have to use some draft capital to get it done.
4: All right, so that'll be something to watch for over the next week to see how they fill that role. Um Next on the board is wide receivers, but you mentioned that it's hard to find a cornerback, and Tim White was playing cornerback yesterday. Why was he out there? Is that more likely that he's a chance to make the team, or was he out there so no one else would get hurt, and hey,
5: if someone's going to get hurt, let's let it be Tim White? You know, I heard it said, it was by Harbaugh, after the the game, we were in the car on the way home, and he, and he said something about Tim White playing corner, and, and that um you know they had just run out of corners there wasn't another option well that wasn't exactly true they had three healthy corners at that point and they were using them on most of the plays but they had Tim White sub in as a slot corner taking Anthony Averett out of the game to put put Tim White in and play slot corners this was an experimental thing I don't think it was just uh we were out of corners you think do you think this was let's see what White can do yeah, I think I think there was a little element of that. And, and White in my opinion played very well. He was only in for six snaps. So the uh the Redskins only completed one of those plays, a, a one pass for 17 yards. He rushed the passer, I uh, sorry, he rushed the passer once and got picked up by the left tackle. So he didn't get home off the slot. But he, but he was in coverage five times and they never threw at his receiver. So that's pretty good right by itself is that you have a, you have a wide receiver in a corner and they never throw at you. Pretty clear he must have played some corner in high school. I think that's true of, of a lot of wide receivers is that they were two-way players and they, they played some cornerback as well. So uh, very very nice to see him do that. I don't think it can hurt his roster chances. I honestly think he's one of the guys that the Ravens will keep anyway at wide receiver. So uh, I, you, this would only solidify the – I, I love two-way players. It's been a long time since we've seen
4: two-way players except for Ricard here uh-huh. in Baltimore. But I love uh, – uh, like a guy like Deion Sanders who could yes. play both ways, and I if, if Tim White turns out to be that guy, I'm going to be the biggest Tim White fan. Um, yeah. Who else do we have in this wide receiver position? okay, answer?
5: so so the the big three free agent wide receivers: Michael Crabtree, John Brown, Willie Snead. Seems like they haven't played in about a month, and they've been completely bubble wrapped during the during the preseason process. Right. But. They have been on the field a few snaps actually. And they're all good to go for week one, we hope. Chris Moore, same thing. He's got really limited playing time during the preseason. A little bit more than those guys though. Yeah. But but he's he's definitely making He's his taken play. advantage no. of every every opportunity he's had this preseason. Yeah, he's just been terrific in camp. Yeah, he's he's he really is one of their top receivers. No, number number five is is White to me, but probably not even the sixth receiver at this point because he's shown a lot as a receiver the last couple games uh, in order to make a play after the catch, in order to uh, have the good hands down the field you needed to have even with contact. So I, I liked what I've seen from White as a receiver. I definitely liked him a little bit more than Grant as a return man to start with. So the fact that he's also getting a few snaps at corner is just icing on the cake at this point. But uh, Tim White makes the team as as the fifth receiver, and I, Jordan Lasley, to me is the sixth receiver on this team. He's a, he's a draft pick and a fifth rounder, and the main reason they're keeping him and he's had some problems holding onto the football in camp in the preseason. But they have to start making a developmental move towards getting younger at at wide receiver and. It cannot stay on the free agent treadmill every year. Where, right. you know, year after year, we have to go out and find three new wide receivers. Well, John Brown is only here for one year. And Willie Sneed, I forget the length of the contract, might be three years. Crabtree's three years. So none of these guys is really a long-term solution. Sure. You know, the, the long-term solution would be a draft pay, drafted receiver who they uh, can, can develop.
4: Gotcha. That's I'm, uh, I think that's why it was so exciting to see Chris Moore, a young guy, actually make some moves this, this preseason.
5: Yeah, he's a third-year player now, so while he's been very good on special teams for a couple of years, he's done relatively mm-hmm. little as a, as a receiver, but uh, it'll be exciting to see what he can do this year. Right. Uh, on the tight end
4: front, I kind of wrote Mark Andrews off until yesterday he was actually making some plays against the Skins.
5: Yeah, it was exciting to see, and I think that really changes a little bit the uh, the, the topology of the of the position in a sense, because they're going to start the season with Hayden Hurst on the roster, but he's going to be inactive with the injury for the first couple of weeks at least, or I think it's at least for the first couple of weeks. Had a screw put in his foot. They, they, you never get a really good time frame, and even if, if Harbaugh would say how long it would take, I wouldn't trust him anyway with regard to this, because it's not his job to be honest with the media about injuries. We made that point a few times, so I don't feel like I need to really hammer it home over and over, but Andrews um, making plays is a very big thing for this tight end group because he's done some good things in terms of blocking downfield, but in this play, in this game, he made some plays after he caught the ball, so some yards after the catch, particularly on the 45-yard play he made, uh, so that's exciting. Uh, if you look at the rest of the roster, you know, other than Hurst, they're going to have to start the season with Nick Boyle, who'll be their primary in-line guy and probably also a guy who can line up at fullback as well. So you have, you have a little bit of versatility with what Boyle brings to the table. Uh, he's been a pretty good receiver. Obviously, he's not a, not a uh, deep threat, but he, he's a chain-moving uh, tight end, whereas Andrews is, is much more of a split wide receiver slash tight end guy. And then the fourth spot is the really difficult one, and this is uh, uh, where you really got to balance the tenure of the player and try and figure out how much value – he has in the future, and and Max Williams is a guy who was drafted in the second round. He's now in his fourth year. He's done very little. Uh, he hasn't been on the field much, and when he has, he hasn't had a lot of catches. Um, he hasn't been a terrible blocker, but he's not he's not Nick Boyle either. So if they're going to have uh, if they're going to keep Williams, they really only get one year out of him. But I think this is a place, and there need to be a couple places on the team where you need to make a concession to special teams. And I think Vince Maley, particularly after a touchdown catch in the finale, good hands there, um, is going to be the guy who gets that last tight end spot. And they're going to say goodbye to Max Williams, which is a, a disappointing uh, three-year stint he had here. Uh, too bad he couldn't uh, really get it done to latch on uh, for a fourth season. He did sit out the game against the Redskins, so that that would lend credence to the to the possibility that he might stay with the team but I honestly believe that he's going to be cut tomorrow and Vince Maley will be the guy who, uh, who gets his job.
4: All right. Um, not too much of a surprise, I guess, right there. On the uh, Going deeper, with the running backs, we know Alex Collins. We were all s- impressed with him last year. He's going to be the head of this monster this year. We had three undrafted free agents in camp. Did any of these guys show enough to stick around
5: Well, I thought they all showed something, which was good. I mean, Gus Edwards was a workhorse this preseason, and he sat out the finale for some reason. I can't figure out exactly why. I mean, I I don't think he's made the team, and he he hasn't had a really good yards per carry average in the preseason, so it wouldn't be obvious that he's made the team. One of the problems with the three undrafted free agents is not one of them has really shown up as a top receiver or a top pass blocker. Not either, honestly. Mark Thompson's caught a couple balls. I don't want to say nobody's done anything. And Gus Edwards had a big big uh, catch and run in the very first game. But none of them has really shown up as being a guy who, who catches four balls a game or anything like that. And, and the Ravens need a third down back as well. Buck Allen is the, currently the only guy on the roster they have. Uh, who they trust to do that? Buck Allen has traditionally been a very yo low yards per touch player. So I'd like the Ravens to have another player of that type, and I think that's an area where they can scour other teams' um, a discard pile, you know, after the the cuts are made, and really try and find somebody. It's also a place where if they if they like a guy, they could go out and make a trade right now. There's a lot of teams that need a pass rusher. The Ravens have extra pass rushers to trade, and and this would be a this would be a chance to get a guy you like there maybe a defensive lineman as well carl davis would be another guy who who could bring something in trade and and the uh, running back position would be one possibility
4: all right that's great that's another thing to watch for in the next few days see how that's handled um moving on to quarterback i was surprised you've got them cutting lamar jackson <laughs> no, you've got, you've got going with a three-man quarterback position. Yes,
5: that's right. So I've got Robert Griffin. So I, I have uh, Robert Griffin Sr. and Robert Griffin Jr. both on the, on the roster. It's actually the third and the fourth, I guess. But uh, it, it's, uh, I think after vacillating a long way on this and going back and forth, I said that this team is just too damn good, if you look at the rest of the roster, to take a risk on QB depth. So I think they'll keep Robert Griffin. I don't think they want to lose him to another team. It appears that would happen if they cut him. And I think they'll they'll keep him and lose a roster spot effectively. They'll be – every week one of the inactives will be one of those two. By the way, that's a downside, but I think there's also a plus side because if you bring in – you can designate a player as QB3, and then if you bring him into play, you can't play any either of the other two QBs after that anymore. But that's okay because that effectively saves a roster spot. So if you designate Robert Griffin, for example, as QB3 and then Joe Flacco goes down, you can bring in Robert Griffin for the rest of the game and he takes the rest of your snaps, but he doesn't use up one of your activations for that week. Now, now what so, if he goes down? If he goes down, you can't play Lamar Jackson. So you, right. You, so you're you, playing you, with
4: no quarterback.
5: Right, you put, you'd be playing with no quarterback, but you'd obviously be gambling that Robert Griffin wouldn't get hurt in a in a in a partial game that he'd be able to finish it off. So it's right. it's just a, a way to save a roster spot. So Lamar Jackson, they're going to want to have on the roster, and that's Dominic were made some comments on our show that I think are still very salient. Is that Lamar Jackson, if you can put him in for three packages a game, whether he's in the slot, whether he's taking a shotgun snap under center, whether he's just dropping back regular in the pocket, and you know. Taking the calling a play that Joe Flacco would play. Yeah. If he's yeah. in there, he's gonna drive defensive coordinators wild with uh keep them up at nights trying to trying to game plan for him. Yes,
4: I and I, I love that. I love that move and love that idea. And uh I'm definitely thinking that week four, five when uh when uh what's his name comes back after his Jimmy suspension, Smith. Jimmy Smith comes yeah. back, I think that's the I think that's where you look and see do we still need three quarterbacks? Yeah, good point, and and
5: it might not because Lamar may have progressed at that point. They may have decided from practice and whatnot he's really ready, and you take a chance.
4: Or we're zero and four, and it doesn't matter.
5: Another possibility. Something another possibility.
4: four four games in, you you know what type of team this is, and and where we're going. Um, let's move to the other side of the ball, the defense side, defensive line especially. This has been the Ravens' kind of bread and butter
5: with their draft picks. Yeah, no, very good point, and and it's always the first point this time of year. The place you want to get your, your defensive line hole-filled is the Ravens practice squad, because they always leave somebody pretty good. Uh, you know, they cut somebody pretty good, and they try and fit them onto the practice squad. So the waiver wire is the first choice. Get them as they're cut. But if you can't, then you get them off the, off the Ravens practice squad later when you need them. But they have some obvious uh, people they are keeping. Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, Willie Henry, Brent Urban, who was off to an absolute unbelievable start when he got hurt last year. Chris Wormley, who played the... A whole season last year, and then the the sixth spot I have going because I've got Patrick Ricard at fullback is goes to Zach Sealer. So uh, again, a, a concession to youth here. Zach Sealer has the highest weightlifting numbers on the team. Apparently, I don't know whether that's bench or reps or what it might be, but but uh, he's you know he's been called a, called out a couple times as the strongest guy on the team. Uh, it is so rare that you see that in a rookie, and he has played so well in his limited snaps, that uh, he's an exciting guy to keep on the roster and gives the Ravens a lot of flexibility in terms of how they handle their pass rush I want to talk about briefly. Patrick Ricard, however, has been unbelievably great as the uh, defensive nose tackle effectively, but he can can really move between the 1 and 3 tech. Uh, during this preseason, dominated the line of scrimmage in most of the second halves of these games. And they wouldn't be able to cut Carl Davis, who I think they would, if they didn't have the trust that Ricard could fill in as their backup for both Pierce and Brandon Williams. And that's what I think he is at this point. So if either one of them got hurt for a game, Patrick Ricard's going to finish that game as the primary run stopping player, uh, or at least on run stopping downs for those guys. So uh his development, very significant positive for the Ravens this preseason, and he's been just extremely effective at the line of scrimmage. Willie Henry begins the year with an injury. Uh, that's bad, and it's a hernia. We don't know how long it'll be until he comes back, but that really increases the urgency to keep some, some of these additional five techs. Brent Urban, Chris Wormley, and Zach Sealer are all five techs. And the five techs are primary pass rushing guys from the interior. So they're all big guys, long arms, lots of uh, passing lane deflection possibilities. And having those guys allows you to mix and match with Zadaria Smith, who's the the Ravens' other primary um, inside rusher other than Willie Henry, and allows you to mix and match more combinations of those guys that will allow the Ravens to keep their pass rush fresher. And when that'll matter, you know the common beef against the Ravens has been they can't hold the lead late. I don't know how true it is, but this will help alleviate some of that. Because when you can substitute on the interior is how you can really get through end-of-half drives and, more importantly, four-down drives at the end of the game. Your pass rush gets incredibly tired during a four-down drive it's very hard to stop them because good opposing quarterbacks will just pick you apart with some short passes to start with your pass rush gets all tired and then they can do whatever the hell they want right as they as they move down the field so having a having a good mix of pass rushers is what really did it for the eagles last year and i think that it having those interior pass rush for the ravens is is going to be a big big part of this defense all right that's good that's um Kind of like you, what you were talking about all
4: preseason, about the depth of this team being why they've won, uh, whatever, 13 practice games in a row.
5: Yes, 13 straight preseason games, and and, uh, and it's definitely a matter of defensive depth,
4: I agree. Right. All right, on the inside linebacker position, you have been talking about Kenny Young pretty much every week since we've been doing this this season, and now it looks like he's going
5: to miss some time. How does that affect your linebackers? So, okay, so I, I when I wrote my article last night, I did not know about Kenny Young's injury, which is unfortunate, uh, but uh, I had only three inside linebackers, and the idea would be it's okay to try and be short at a position where the size and shape pool, like I mentioned before with the offensive tackles, is very deep. So inside linebacker is a place where there are a lot of people who play that position, and the general population has more guys of that size, even if not necessarily the athleticism you, you want exactly. So. I, I, my original call, C.J. Mosley, uh, Patrick Owasu and Kenny Young, we're going we're gonna to get through it inside linebacker. We saw that Tyus Bowser had played uh, Will linebacker in the finale. Uh, so that was good news and, and, and you know something that they might, in an emergency call on Tyus to do, hopefully not on any more than an emergency basis. But he is a good coverage outside linebacker, and he could pro- probably provide some of the things you need there. Bam Bradley is on pup right now, and he could return at midseason. And he's a really an appropriate size and shape, two-down thumper at inside linebacker. So he's the guy I'd be really excited to get back as the season goes on. Um, and then when you really talk about it, the Ravens need two inside linebackers on about half their plays, and they need one on sa- outside linebacker on the other half, and that's Mosley. So you really don't need a huge rotation of players. Uh, on half their plays, they're playing nickel, or they're sorry, they're playing dime, uh, on about 30 35 percent of their plays, I'll say actually, and then you don't have that second inside linebacker. So, I, you know, part of this is just that y- you you need fewer than two guys every single play. So, I'd like them to try and get through with three. But if Kenny Young is hurt, the adjustment that I would make is is that Kenny Young will stay active on the active roster, and it doesn't look like they're putting him on IR. They have not done it yet, um, and that they'll add uh, Chris Board, who has also played at inside linebacker. Uh, to that group, just for depth purposes, and then it probably means that Peanut is playing uh, effectively full time again at inside linebacker, where I think he would have started the season splitting time with Kenny Young, otherwise. So you're bringing Board up instead of McClellan. I, I would McClellan. I love. He has been an amazingly versatile, wonderful player for the Ravens all these years. He's, you know, if you think back to the Orioles of the of the late '80s, early '90s, they had Joe Ursulak. And he did all kinds of wonderful things. And every year he had no job when he came to camp. And then he would you know, win a job and he'd be a significant part of the, the Oriole team somehow. And McClellan's been that kind of a player. He's been plugged in wherever they needed him. He, he played defensive end briefly in 2012 when Suggs was hurt. Then he was, became the, the Sam linebacker. Uh, he play, played the rush linebacker for a while as well. Then he played the Sam linebacker and uh, really played inside linebacker at a time. He was asked to do some things that were a little bit too much for him in coverage, I thought, an inside linebacker. He's now 32, coming off an injury. You know, He's, as well as anyone, knows the way this game works, and, and he'll, while it's a very unfortunate guy to have to cut, I think this is probably his time. Jerry Rossberg will be the most hurt because he speaks effusively of McClellan whenever he does about his ability to cover kicks. I do think that the new standing start rules for kickoffs will hurt mcclellan's value in terms of covering kicks as well so that's part of the reason i would want a quicker player like board to do to play that role right because you don't have that
4: time to build up that speed you gotta just go that makes sense um on the outside linebackers do you think i guess this also is kind of affected by the kenny young injury if the ravens knew ahead of time of the young injury would they have traded correa
5: well, that's a good question. I think they were pretty much through with Correa as an inside linebacker. They did give him a little bit of time there this preseason, but as the preseason wore on, he was playing more outside linebacker and less inside linebacker. So I think that they probably were done with it. And for the, frankly, getting a sixth round draft pick for, for Correa, I don't think they could really turn that down. It was too good a return for a player they were going to have to cut. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, they're crazy. You drafted him for a second and you trade him for a sixth. Well, you know, doesn't matter what they drafted him for. It matters what he's worth now. And in, in a few days, they were going to have to cut him, and they got a six-round pick for him. It's, it's great salvage value. Uh, in terms of other players, we mentioned that Tyus Bowser could play on the inside, but the five guys on the outside really do help out in other ways. So you have, you have Trell Suggs and Tim Williams, who I think will be the primary rush linebacker, one and two. And I, I, Again, Suggs is an older guy, so I expect him to play 60, 65% of the snaps. Tim Williams to get you know thirty to thirty-five to forty percent of the snaps as a backup, and they can play purely rotationally. It means they can play by series; they don't have to play by down and distance, and you know just sub them in in certain packages and whatnot. So sub them in for a whole series, you're fine with Tim Williams now he's a very complete outside linebacker at this point. Same thing on the other side with Matthew Judon. I think he'll you know he's younger; he probably plays seventy percent of the snaps, and we'll see. Tyus Bowser play 30% of the, the snaps as the backup Sam linebacker. Both of those guys can cover effectively. Sam linebackers have to be able to occasionally drop and cover the tight end or a short zone on that side, and, and both of them meet the standard for that, so that's good. Okay. Darius Smith, pure pass rusher and a hell of a pure pass rusher. He'll be used on the inside. He'll be used some on the outside, and he'll get some time at both. I think we're looking at maybe, uh, you know, 400 to 450 snaps of Zedaria Smith this year and most of that on pass rush downs he's really going to be a sub package guy and it will be exciting to have him in there and trying to uh get to the pocket mostly from the inside will this be like last
4: season where we kept talking about this could be Suggs last year and we're amazed that
5: he's still doing so well so old you know every injury we have that fear that it's the end for Terrell Suggs uh but you know he's, he did something that only four other guys or maybe it's him and three other guys have ever done which is have a, a sack total like he did at age 35 or higher right and that's that's really getting up into the rarefied air there's no doubt about his hall of fame status at this point he's not playing for his legacy uh, you know he really honestly is getting very close to the point he may be there where there should be a statue of him outside the stadium the way there is for Ray. oh you're going the there you're going to Reed. that
4: I knew you were I know yeah. you're a Suggs guy I know he's your favorite player but
5: man you're pulling out the statue I I, I would I mean there's just nobody who plays as long as this uh and for one team anymore I mean he's what he's meant to this team just in terms of of uh everything in All terms right. of the feel the persona everything I'm, I'd just be excited we, you got four entrances Suggs can have one of those and uh and then we'll have the Suggs entrance and the Suggs statue there. All right, so
4: you're going to put Suggs and Ogden and uh, Ed Reed out there over cover all four sides?
5: Yeah, you could do that. I mean, I, the Ravens can be a statue-based organization. They certainly have the ability. they got Unitas and Lewis at one entrance. you you got room then for six other statues currently at the other <laughs> ones.
4: All right, I am going to save the statue discussion. I'm not going to go off topic right now. I did not see that coming about Terrell Suggs. Um that, Moving on to safety. Last night, this kid, I'm going to screw up this name, Kai Nakua. Nakia? He caught him. I never heard of the guy. He caught an interception, and the Ravens team went crazy. This
5: kid must be loved on this team. You know, I think it's two things that went on there. I if you if you saw the game, you're you're, you're seeing that, that Eric Weddle was drawing up the a, on a whiteboard on the sidelines. He didn't play in the game, right, so, just, so he called the play. Yeah, he, he apparently had something to do with calling the play. And and the reason I know that is because they had a sideline shot where just every coach is congratulating each other and talking to Weddle about it. It's you know Weddle is part of the coaching staff effectively. If you watch Eric Weddle at practice. He doesn't stand on the sideline where the players normally stand in eleven-on-eleven drills. He stands at back of the end zone so he can see the play develop from the from the same position he does at safety and and really get a view of that. And I think he acts as a as a uh, as a uh, assistant coach. coach of the secondary in a lot of ways. And this this whole thing with the whiteboarding, it was some classic crap. I tell you that it was just very fun to watch. And uh, you know it's one of those things that uh, I think Weddle will have a future in coaching. The other guy who who was handling almost a, a similar duty was Terrell Suggs. He had a play sheet, it looked like, in his hand, and he was standing next to Wink Martindale. And Wink Martindale actually was looking. You know, Eric Weddle was showing him something. Wink Martindale ha- had his uh, had was giving him his full attention. I mean, it wasn't like he's like, yeah. get Lay off for a minute. I, I need to coach the game here. He was, like, really interested in what Weddle had to say. So, so very the, exciting. So
4: the fifth preseason game you're saying is handled the same way as the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I,
5: I, I thought it was just very well done, yes. and, and uh, it was fun to see. All
4: right, so let's get to the safety position. Who's making this team?
5: So uh, the four guys you'd expect now, uh, injury to Deshaun Elliott, it was just uh, heartbreaking in a lot of ways because he was a, the free safe, safety hope For Eric Weddle, uh, no later than 2020, but we'll have Weddle, Jefferson, Chuck Clark, Anthony Levine. Clark and Levine, the dual dimes. Tony Jefferson could play that position in an emergency and swap with Clark if he had to. Clark can play any of the positions, dime, free safety, or strong safety, so it's exciting that that he'd be good there. Anthony Levine, really, at this point in his career, I think is going to be mostly a dime. There's probably plays where he could play on the back end, and he has done everything for the Ravens. He's played outside corner, slot corner, deep safety, and dime. So he's played a, 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 a variety of positions. Weddle, at this at this point in his career, exclusively a free safety. I do not want to see him up in the box the same way we did last year. And the deception that you get from doing that, I think, is fairly minimal. If he rushes the passer five times all year, fine. If he's up trying to, trying to play the run while Tony Jefferson drops deep, that's not fine. That's where I think that Dean Pease got himself in a lot of trouble early last season and the player was really improved when they had more focused roles as the season moved on.
4: Gotcha. So Kai is heading to the practice squad more than likely.
5: Yeah, well it, probably a pretty good chance. They did cut him today, so I think there is a good chance they'll try and, they'll try and add him to the practice squad. The other safety that they that they had went to injured reserve. So that's Bennett Jackson, who had played pretty well during the preseason. Gotcha.
4: Well, you know what? The practice squad. I wouldn't mind that. I could be on the practice squad and be happy with that as my career. I mean, they it's, get, it's, it's some pay yeah. uh, seven thousand dollars a week in twenty sixteen. That's okay, what they so got. It's about
5: paid. what one hundred and twelve thousand dollars a year? Yeah. So to you, to, yeah.
4: to play football and not under the pressure of of a of a game. Sure. And the and the chance the chance of that golden ticket to get pulled up. There you go. I could do that. By the way, if you're wondering, a water boy in the NFL makes fifty three thousand a year. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I know, not bad. Wouldn't you like to have that job? Better
5: than the practice squad now that you know that?
4: I don't know. You gotta deal with the towels and all. I don't I don't know. Okay. Actually <laughs> I think that, I think any any of those any of those salaries I was Josh I you're with.
5: a you're a microcosm of the problem with America. We're all too good for our jobs. And you know, we need to we need I'm, to continue I'm to get pretty, some immigration going.
4: I'm impressed at fifty three thousand to be a water boy. To mix the go. Gatorade. <laughs> All right. Um, at cornerback, no
5: Jimmy Smith,
4: so that means we get to hold an extra guy there for a few days? Yes, yeah, so Jimmy,
5: Jimmy Smith does not take a roster spot until he comes back from suspension. So the cornerback situation is not as rosy as it was before, but it's still a fairly deep group. Deep group. Marlon Humphrey is the number one very clearly now. Uh, Brandon Carr will play opposite him. Carr is a guy that, that I speculated might be cut, but he is again with his durability made it through and the other injuries occurring around him. He's a he's a last man standing kind of guy, and he'll be the outside corner on the left side as our season begins. Tavon Young is the slot corner. He's looked terrific in limited I, snaps. I loved years. Tavon Young two years
4: ago. I really have
5: high hopes for him. Yeah. I think the injury was just it was a heartbreaking injury, but he should be back and playing very well this year. So we're we're excited about that. Anthony Averett would be my fourth cornerback on this roster. Anthony Averett and Darius Williams Tied for the entire NFL lead in passes defense this preseason, and they had very different preseasons. Honestly, Anthony Everett was basically you couldn't throw at him. They, they, he had a 43 passer rating against prior to this last game. Now, let me start with this: he didn't have any interceptions. If you don't allow, if you don't have an interception, then your lowest possible passer rating against is 39.6. So he was basically perfect on the other components that are not interceptions. So. I I it's a Anthony Averett, I think he's ready to play on the outside right now. First injury, he should be he should be the first guy up on the outside at this point. Maurice Kennedy backed up in the slot last year, terrific outside corner. The injury actually has probably dropped him behind Averett on the depth chart, uh in terms of outside corners. If he, um he is back, then I think he probably still would be first up at slot corner. But we did see Anthony Averett play some slot corner in this last game, so I'm not sure uh, if even that is true. But anyway, Maurice Kennedy, tremendous faith in him as a, as a corner. He's just not not uh, quite ready to go right now. Darius Williams, I have making this team, and he's really the 53rd man on this roster. He would be the guy who goes so the Ravens could keep Chris Board if the injury to Kenny Young is really found to keep him out for, for even the first game, I think. So Darius Williams, a, a certainly a practice squad guy and a guy I think the Ravens Uh, You know may want to keep around as the backup slot corner because that's the role he's really done fairly well in He needs to continue to work through those those issues he's had with playing through contact But he's he's played well enough in the five pds as test of the fact that he's still a hip pocket coverage guy And that's what you want in the slot in the nfl All
4: right, that makes sense. All right. The last section we didn't talk about are the specialist guys do they find a way to put a fourth member into the Wolfpack? There's a lot of talk about this <laughs> Vedvik
5: guy. Yeah, so so Corey Vedvik, uh, I think there's a lot of talk on other teams about him. He had a, had a very good preseason in terms of his kicking. He has an unorthodox kicking mechanics that seem to always produce a low-line drive. I'm not enamored with that. I, I hope that he could learn like Tucker to to kick these rainbow shots on a regular basis, but he certainly has tremendous range with that low line drive kick. I just don't like to see it on extra points when, you know, that, that kick can be blocked. If right. He, exactly. He that low trajectory. So uh, anyway, uh, he's a guy, I think a lot of other teams will have interest in and being a young guy with four years of team control right, right there, there's probably several teams in the league that would consider bringing him in as either a kicker or a punter and maybe giving him both jobs next year and trying to save a spot. So, uh, I think he will may, maybe have value, and the Ravens might be able to get a seventh round pick uh, for him uh, in all likelihood, or possibly trade him for a different position player, maybe an inside linebacker, maybe a running back, maybe even a tackle uh, that they need. Gotcha. Did the NFL make any rule changes this year about that whole jumping over the center? Yeah, they did. Is that last year or this was year? That, One of the two years. Was that, that last year it? they made? I,
4: I feel yeah. like it was. we saw it last season, so I would think it would be a change coming into this season,
5: but maybe yeah, I'm off. You, you, you could be right. I'm not sure it really matters. But but it was something that uh, I think uh, – not Palomalo. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, I thought it was a safety for the um, uh, Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots blocked.
4: were taking advantage of it.
5: Yeah, had, had blocked a kick. Well, this, there are new rules about you can't line up over the long snapper in punt formation. So now the, the defensive line on punt formations looks kind of weird. The same goes for the long snapper on kicks. So they have less risk of being run over on every on every kick. And th- it doesn't really make a lot of sense to, to have your long snapper injured. Right. It doesn't make the game fun. So anyway, All right. it's uh, interesting.
4: All right, so we went through the 53-man. You took care of that today. The Ravens have till 4 p.m. tomorrow. What do, they, what do they have to do as far as between now and tomorrow at 4 p.m.?
5: Yeah, so there's a lot to be done. So they have guys that are putting on injured reserve, and they've done some of that. They, they designated people for today on both injured reserve and the pup. And if there's an MRI being conducted tomorrow on Kenny Young, they'll probably be consideration of where he ends up, whether he, it may be an injury. He he's, will be back fairly soon, in which case they'll, they'll probably just keep him on the active roster and deactivate him on game day. Um, they cannot put anybody new on PUP. To go on PUP, you had to be un, uh, physically unable to perform at the beginning of training camp. And then if you were, and there are three guys the Ravens have there, then they can stay there. And It's Quincy Adeboyejo. They have Bam Bradley, and trying to think of who the third guy is. It'll come to me in a moment, but they have three anyway, uh, Jalen Hill. So they have three guys that, that are on pop and could return at midseason from that list. Um, and, and there's a, there's a rule is I think you have six weeks. You have to stay out and then they have up to three weeks after that where they can start practicing and then they have to decide whether or not to act add them to the active roster at the end of that period. So effectively within as as early as about week seven that the players could be playing and as late as about week ten, I believe, they could be playing if you're if you're on pop. So uh anyway, that's the that's the idea with that. The injured reserve they added some players today, including Deshaun Elliott, who's a uh you know, sad to lose. And then they'll have trades. The Ravens have to, whatever trade value they think they have and the guys they're going to cut, they have to extract it by tomorrow at 4 p.m. or it's lost. So they have three guys on the roster I think fit that bill. Uh, one we've already talked about is Corey Vedvik. Uh, we did mention briefly, I think, Carl Davis is likely to be cut. And I think a lot of teams may need a backup, nose tackle slash defensive tackle, and he's not a bad choice for that role. So I hope the Ravens can extract some value there. The third is a guy who did an unbelievable role in last night's game. It's Bronson Kafusi. So they had 77 defensive snaps in that game. Bronson played 74 of them at outside linebacker. That doesn't happen unless you're Terrell Suggs 2011. I mean, just us, you don't play that many snaps. But they were short on total personnel playing the game. Bronson obviously wanted to get the snaps on tape. He had two sacks and another quarterback hit in the game. He made a great play in pass coverage where – he ended up being a trailing guy when a running back dropped out covering in his zone, and he was able to track him down and, and uh, drop him for a short game with almost no yards after the catch. So that was an impressive play. Uh, there was a lot of things that he did well in that game. I, I wouldn't say he played the run great, but he still, I think, can learn to play the run, giving his size Um, and, and that's something that I think, uh, the Ravens could possibly get something for him. The nice thing about, about Kafusi for the team that picks him up is he's got two years of team control. He's under contract through, uh, 2019 because he's a 2016 draft pick and, uh, and they'll get two years of, of value out of him. So it could be the Ravens actually get something meaningful for him. He's the most likely player that could, they could get enough as, as, as much as a left tackle who could maybe block. From a team that uh, that really needs a pass rusher,
4: right? But this isn't this isn't a Manny Machado trade. Like you're not no. going to get much for these guys. They're they're free to go at 4 p.m. tomorrow if there's no deal. Yeah.
5: You're, you're right, and you need to temper expectations with the, the value typically for a guy you're going to cut and somebody else takes him. There's usually two things: you either get a conditional seventh round pick, you might in, a, in rare cases get an actual seventh round pick. But it's usually conditional. And then the, the, the other possibility is you get an equivalently tenured player. And usually it's a fourth-year guy you're cutting and a fourth-year guy you're, you're getting. So you get an equivalent guy that they're cutting at a position of surplus talent for them. So sometimes you find a partner like that. The Ravens have made some, have made some trades of that type over the years, one involving Derek Martin a few years back.
4: Gotcha. And, of course, if none of these – if you can't pop them, injure them, or trade them, you've got to cut them.
5: That's what. That's the only option that's left, and you got to get down to fifty-three somehow. So those are the those are the choices.
4: Right. Is this the this is the first year with the extended uh, rosters, or did they start that last year? Where you used to cut down each week, get down, and now, right? They, Harbaugh has a whole lot of guys he's got to talk to tonight.
5: Right. That's that's right. They already talked to some today, so they've cut some guys like Nick Keyser and Andrew Denial have already been cut, among others. And you can go out and check the Ravens website to get the most recent. Uh, list of those because whenever you listen to this is there's probably gonna be a lot more cuts out there but uh uh, they do have to talk to a lot of people they do split it out over two days the more difficult cuts where they might be able to trade them they obviously going to save them for tomorrow from you know two or three p.m and later kind of thing to just cut them in time for the deadline but uh they'll they'll cut guys as they you know schedule them out and they get a visit from the turk and you know bring your playbook all that goes on so uh Uh, These guys uh, will get the toughest conversation of their life probably um, tomorrow. 37 of them will.
4: Right. uh, We've all seen it on Hard Knocks. We know how it goes.
5: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Hard Knocks, are you
4: looking forward to the episode this week with the insider trading? (laughs) Uh, uh, Very weird. The whole thing is weird for an insider trading for a football player. You don't think of that type of uh, issue for a football player.
5: No, you, you you don't. What's this is weird of it in so many ways. First of all, you have Carl Nassib, who's been on Hard locks this way, and I don't know if you've been watching it, you know, regularly. But Carl Nassib keeps telling, preaching to the other players on the team that all you have to do is put your money away. And it'll double every seven years. And then if you leave it there for 42 years, you'll have 64 times as much money. And so I'll talk to, to Miles Garrett. and says, Miles Garrett, how much money you got? And he you know, says, $30 million or something for my signing bonus. And I, I don't remember the exact amount. And so he goes, so you could have 64 times that if you just left that money alone for 30 years and, and put it away. And one of the other offensive linemen I think asked him, you know, where do you get that 10% return per year? You know, <laughs> so that right. you can make sure you have 64 times as much. <laughs> and that's supposed no, you have to put you have to save it. You know, you have to put it away. Right. He didn't have any answer. Obviously, he didn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. But it's, it's hilarious to watch him watch him give this advice, and he's, he's writing it out mathematically on the board, and he's clearly just repeating something that Tony Robbins or somebody else like that has told right, him. Right, right. Very funny. But then the guy who really understood how to make $1.2 million via insider trading, he doesn't tell anybody else. But apparently, the, the, it involved an acquaintance and possibly Eagles tickets. Were involved. He was giving the guy Eagles tickets in exchange for inside information. So, oh, so
4: that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah.
5: Uh, and they apparently they, they had some conversations recorded where they were talking in code about his number changing and all this. It really sounds, it sounds fairly sorted. I'm sure his NFL career is over, but he, uh, he may be actually facing jail time for this. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll see how that uh, pans out. Well,
4: that's where things get sketchy whenever you have a current player involved in a business. Because that yeah, player, yeah. that player can can make things move so much on, and affect that business.
5: Well, he's uh, this in this case, uh, this was he was getting the information from somebody who was in, inside the business. He's not the guy inside the business. So, right. so Kendricks was was getting the information and then trading upon it. Right. In in order to to make the one point two million, he did so anyway. Sorted as hell, I think it's going to be a great episode of Hard Knocks. Even if you missed the, the first part of the series, I encourage you to take a look at that because they may do some juxtaposition. It's also the cut episode right. coming up, so this ought to be a lot of fun.
4: Yeah, I, I, $1.2 million is a lot of money to me. It's not a lot of money for an NFL player.
5: Yeah, he's made a big mistake. Uh, he just signed a $2.2 million contract with the Browns, which I'm sure he's going to have to pay back in his entirety. Right. Even after tax, that should be about $1.2 million right there. And then he's lost the present value of all remaining earnings for his career as far as I'm concerned. I you, I don't think you can no. get this guy back in the NFL at any point, so we'll see. No. Mike, Michael Vick did return. Maybe it's possible, so uh, we'll see in, in Kendrick's case. Right, right.
4: My, <laughs> never mind. I'm just going to move on from there. Yes. Um, all, right, so, all right, so cuts happen at 4 p.m. What are we looking at after 4 p.m.? What do the Raiders do next?
5: So there's still a whole bunch of activity, because your roster is not finalized at that point. So you, you, do, a, you do a few things. First of all, there's a waiver process involving all, of, all the other 31 teams getting a chance to take every one of the Ravens' cuts and put in claims on all the other cuts around the league. So the Ravens have that opportunity, obviously. And they'll be looking for the waiver wire, and they probably will, will try and pick up, or they might try and pick up a linebacker or a running back, uh, an offensive lineman, any of those three positions. Uh, that they really think they have a need. A center is still a possibility. Even though the Ravens have a number of players who can who can play center, they might find their guy on, on somebody else's uh, roster after cuts. So uh, lots of opportunities there. Um, then they have to form their own practice squad. So uh, after the waiver period is done, they then can sign up to 10 players. The Ravens are usually lightning quick with it and get it done on Sunday. Some other teams often will drag out with their last spots into the week, but they'll get their practice squad set up ASAP. A lot of the players will come from the guys who have actually practiced with the Ravens. So people like Darius Williams may well be in the practice squad or uh, Kai Nakua may be in the practice squad or some others. But uh, uh, it's not always. I'm I'm available, Ravens,
4: if you need a guy on the practice (laughs) squad.
5: Josh, Josh wants that 112 Gs. I yeah, can exactly, exactly. <laughs> you might get claimed. You know that you could make more. So whatever. Um, uh, then they, the roster evaluation even continues after that, of course, because once those practice squads are formed, even if you sign somebody, they're not protected. So you can go to any other team's practice squad, talk to their players. And get one of their players to sign with you, and I believe the commitment is they have to stay on your active roster for three weeks if you sign someone off somebody else's practice squad. That was a common trick of Belichick would be to go to the practice squads for other teams that he was from the teams he had just played and get somebody. and I believe they have a rule in place now, but uh, I remember they t- took Patrick Burgess, kept him for the minimum three weeks. Learned all the Ravens' uh, special team secrets, right. and then they cut Burgess at the end of that period, and and uh, he was available. Get to the Ravens, and three weeks
4: isn't bad if you need to fill an injury or anything like that. It's, a, it's no, a good time.
5: It's it's a you know it's a reasonable amount of time for a lot of teams to keep that player, and and sometimes you know it's just it's a guy you pick up for the whole season. Alex right. Collins was was picked up off waivers, so uh, you know it can happen.
4: Yeah, they just they're normally not that good as far as Alex they Collins. The, you normally don't pick a guy up off. Off waivers and then he's your lead running back.
5: Well, you know, Alex Collins had some baggage with him and that's you gotta really just accept that with some of the guys you pick up off the practice squad, they're not gonna be, you know, perfect fruit here. They're what? gonna they're gonna have some kind of a bruise on them. And Alex Collins had a fumbling problem in Seattle and that's what got him caught. And he had a little bit of fumbling problem here when he started, but he played through it and became one of the best blacks in the league. Right. Uh, as the as the season rolled out, so
4: so so as far as baggage goes, how did the Ravens feel about insider trading? <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, I, that's that's too big baggage for me. Uh, you know, the Jimmy Smith situation is a is a baggage situation. Deciding yes. whether you want that in your organization after you've already had a Ray Rice situation. Right. Um, you know, it's a it's a it's something that they really must believe that Jimmy Smith. Is not this uh, does not have the same level of culpability, or that what he did was not as bad as what Ray Rice did. Gotcha. Uh, let's get to a little bit
4: of mailbag, and let's start with Mr. Ed, who asks, "How does the use of the dime package affect how you project the depth at safety, corner, and linebacker?"
5: I I, I love Mr. Ed because he knows how I love to talk about the dime. The, the Ravens uh, are, are largely unaffected, I would say, by that. Other than they they, if you're going to play dime, you better have two guys who can fill in at that dime spot. And the Ravens really have three between Clark, uh, Levine, and Jefferson. If they if they didn't have both Clark and Levine, I think it would be harder for them. But you know, somebody like Kai Nekua would probably be available that you would plug into the dime roll and see if he could do it. Uh, it's a little bit different in terms of short area coverage skills. You're more like a nickel corner in terms of your ability to pivot quickly and move. Uh, it's more of a, a run and chase to the screen pass, you got to have good screen pass diagnosis. So you got some differences there at corner. It makes absolutely no difference. You 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 know you carry four safeties typically, and, and your corners aren't really impacted at all by the dime position.
4: All right. Uh, also, while we're on the corner position, Shaq asks, "What are Everett Everett's weekends, and do you think he can start? Obviously, you have him in there as making the roster. Okay. So that's
5: that's Shack who asked that question, right? Yes. Yep. Okay uh so yes he uh he I think he's asking what are anthony averett's weaknesses yeah so uh, it's difficult. it's difficult to find them right now because he's had such a remarkable preseason, but I'll tell you what I think I like about him and what he does well, and then we'll see if if some of these other things hold up so he's been a good boundary defender and fast corners who have some length, and he's in the middle in terms of length at five eleven uh for a corner who have you know modest length and can defend the boundary are are very valuable in and of themselves but what makes him more valuable is the ability to not lose the route when the when the first cut is made so players like SJB is more of a pure boundary defender and probably a little bit better at it even than Averett is but Averett is going to be much better once the route turns to the inside of the field and more able to cover that guy um, the other thing I've liked about him that makes him different from Darius Williams is he plays better through contact. So Darius Williams has gotten bumped off the route a couple times by bigger receivers and you're not going to get the flag every time and sometimes it's not a flag and and you know you, you got to just play through that contact. And Darius Williams has had problems with that whereas Anthony Everett even though he's a, got a more elfin physique, he's taller and lighter. He should have more trouble with contact, but he hasn't had any of that I've seen. So I've been extremely impressed with him. He looks like a steal of a pick in the fourth round. And the fact that he's taking some snaps at at, uh, slot corner during last last preseason game indicates to me the Ravens are considering him as a backup slot during the early part of the season anyway. All
4: right. Uh, Andrew asks, if you were calling the shots, would you keep the Norwegian over Cook? Also backing up uh, just in case, Cook has great
5: accuracy but so-so net right. All right, so so. G- Cook, I, I he's he's been a great punter for a long time. And he's he's a directional and in-20 specialist. So his ability to do that and, and provide kicks that look a variety of different ways is just – that's not where Vedvik is as a punter right now. Could Vedvik outkick him in a punting competition where it's like punt passing kick and it's just the punt competition of it for yardage? Quite possibly. And right. I'm not sure that I, really matters. I love Cook because
4: of his placement. The, yeah. where he can get that ball to drop exactly where he wants it to.
5: Yeah, I mean that's exactly the thing, and and he can, he puts all these different spins on it, so he, he can either get you know the ball with to topspin to bounce forward after the kick, or he can get it with backspin to, to you know hit the one yard line and right. it pop straight up in the air where somebody can play it. Uh, he's got a remarkable ability to do that. He's he, he he is one of the first punters to try to do these directional line drive kicks, which very much compromise the return man. So the turnman often can't get to it. If he does, he has to take a risk on a fumble. If he decides to let it roll, he could get 20 extra yards on the punt. So uh, you know, his ability to do that has been very impressive. Vedvik has some of the ability maybe for those line drive kicks and, and good a good big foot. But a thing they would miss Cook for additionally is that he's been Tucker's only holder his whole career. So I don't think that they're really eager to break up the wolf pack and take the risk of Tucker you know, having a, a lesser season. Right. for some advantage out of Vedvik. And Vedvik is never going to replace Tucker as a kicker for the Ravens. I mean, not not within any reasonable period of time. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're set in that position. Yeah, so, so it's only do you want Vedvik as a punter. And then, you know, one of the nice things is you save some cap space. Another nice thing is you could trade Vedvik if you wanted by keeping him. But I don't see a reason why uh, you wouldn't just try and trade him now and get the maximum value. Right. And the fact that the Ravens have been so good at identifying kickers like this and and growing their reputation of doing so means, you know, they could have a continually additional seventh-round draft pick every year by the fact that they can go out and find the best UDFA kicker and develop him during camp. Right. I mean, who would have ever
4: guessed that we would go from Stover to then this Wolfpack that's that's yeah. breaking Stover's
5: numbers? Yeah, there you go. I mean, the Ravens, they've never had a bad punter. Um, Montgomery and Zastadil and uh, – uh, Kyle, I'm forgetting his last name, Richardson, um, all good punters, and that's all the Ravens have had in their history, four guys. Right, it's crazy. Uh, Spencer asks, what do you think the broader
4: sentiment among fans would be towards the Paraman if he had been a day three pick
5: rather than a first rounder? Okay, well, first of all, you said his name, so you lose the bet. And maybe about the oh, bet. no, I no, no,
4: Spen- Spencer, Spencer lost this bet, and, 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 <laughs> I can, and I can answer that question. I wouldn't know his name. If he was a day three pick doing this bad, I wouldn't know his name. Right.
5: Okay, and and yeah, I think that's true, and and it's a good point that Spencer's making effectively is that whatever we spent on Paraman up front is a sunk cost. So the Ravens have have placed that value in Pearman. It doesn't matter what his round of original uh, selection was, other than that some cap savings that are associated with it for cutting him. But it doesn't matter what the what the original round was now in terms of. Uh, you know how you handle him on the roster other than that and so you know if he's in competition with Tim White for the sixth wide receiver spot or the fifth or he's in competition with Jordan Lasley for a wide receiver spot okay that's fine you know he's, he's got to outperform those guys it doesn't matter if he's a first round draft pick at one point
4: except that that first round draft pick you want a guy that's going to impact your team and it makes the fact that it was Perriman and Perriman didn't succeed makes you wish someone else was drafted at that spot
5: it definitely puts more on him I think, I think there's only one thing you can really look at after the fact, or maybe two. You can look at the front office if you want to that way and, and, and mark them down for a poor set of wide receiver picks. And they certainly have delivered exactly that in Ravens history. They have shown an inability to draft, scout, and develop wide receivers. And they could point the finger internally, but we could just say, you know, hey, look, other than Torrey Smith, you really haven't produced anyone in the entire history of the Ravens who's a decent wide receiver that they've drafted. So. I, right. I think that you 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 could you could certainly fairly say that and then sometimes the pick the question will come up do you just do you want the Ravens just to draft another uh defensive tackle or another defensive end in the fourth round because they can't draft draft wide receivers to save their save their rear ends and and my answer to that is probably yes if you can, if you can, tra- if you can develop trade value in the fourth round, for example, from a from a defensive tackle, you have to address your needs somehow. You probably have to end up addressing them via free agency. But if you can get a player there who you're more sure of developing into somebody good, yeah, I'd say you go ahead and draft that and develop a good play, good young player. Stay young at that position and stay cheap at that position, and then you have the dollars applied to wide receiver. I think it makes tremendous corporate sense to do that.
4: All right, um, Mark Ketan. Led with a last minute question saying, "Will Correa blossom in Tennessee?
5: Well, Correa is going to play for Dean Pease, under whom he did not blossom in Baltimore. So it's very interesting. Obviously Pease sees something he likes about them. Uh, I will say Pease is not a super aggressive pass rush guy. He's a let's pass let's rush the passer as little as we need to or as much as appropriate for this style of quarterback. So he likes to let young quarterbacks stay in the pocket and make their own mistakes. And I don't think Correa is really—I think Correa is a—you uh, want him to be aggressive, uh, rushing off the edge and stunting to make the highest possible use of him. So I really think he'd have done better with a coordinator like uh, uh, Don Martindale, but the Ravens just didn't have room for him. So it's a question of which team will use him most aggressively. And I'm actually kind of surprised the Titans wanted him, uh, given what they you know, are aware of in terms of his past. All right. Uh, well, that
4: was the Film Study Mailbag. You can get your questions in every week by uh, tagging them on Twitter with the hashtag FilmStudyMailbag, and then Ken will answer them for you right here on the show. Uh, we went, Ken, we went through a lot of content today, so I know there's listeners now who are uh, thinking back and saying, well, I don't remember, did Ken have a Luminor on this
5: roster or not? <laughs> so we want to point everyone to Russell Street Report. Yeah, so go out and read the the original article on Russell Street Report, and uh, I'm gonna have to put an edit out there about what I didn't know about Kenny Young's injury out there. But uh, anyway, the article is there; it gives some of this reasoning. I think we've talked through more of this reasoning on this show, Josh. And I appreciate you taking the time to do this with us, and uh, uh, you know, I think this has been a lot of fun. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Film Study Ravens, and anything else. I want to give a good plug for Birdland Radio. And this is something Josh is starting, but Josh, tell us about that.
4: Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Soroka or check out everything I do over at Birdland Sports. It's um, basically a chance for me to help other podcasts and really bring one home together where you can check out Ravens and Orioles podcasts and just Baltimore-centric podcasts. So go check out Birdland Sports.
5: So, uh, are you are you doing advertising for this now? Or are you are you trying to uh, get advertising? Or this is this all commercial free content at this point?
4: It is. Uh, every show is independent, and every show is welcome to bring in their own sponsors and advertisers.
5: Okay, so it's it's wonderfully flexible. I would imagine if this is a lot of starting podcasters, it's a lot of good commercial free content. Yes. So we're familiar with some of these guys like Dade. I don't think he's going out to get commercials. He just wants to to talk about the Ravens. Yeah, if you're a Ravens fan, we've got uh, Dade's
4: view. And we've got um, – I'm putting film studies up on there to easily get to the the links real quick before they're up on Russell Street sometimes. Um, And uh, uh, Chib's new show, Neutral Zone Infraction, will be premiering on there I think this weekend. So Yeah,
5: I'm supposed to be on that show. I think we're, we're supposed to to tape later tonight, so that'll be fun.
4: All right, so check that out. And then there's some baseball and, and Baltimore sports-focused shows like Section 336, which is a lot of Orioles but gets into the Ravens as well, and then Birdland BS, who Chibs was on that show last week. So it's a lot of – uh, it's a good chance for all of us to kind of get together and do podcasts that uh, just – talking about our passion for these, these two teams
5: yeah, Josh I can't say enough about all of the production support you give to these young podcasters out there starting out uh, I think you've probably been involved in the vast majority of startup podcasts that have been in the Baltimore area <laughs> I, I and, think everyone and, yes yeah. <laughs> well, anyway I, I couldn't have done it without you I can just tell you that alright
4: well uh, Bouchard, Perriman, if you'd like to start a podcast now that, <laughs> now that you've got nothing else to do you oh, can man. get a hold of me.
5: I guess if you're so, going to lose the bet, go ahead and lose all the way.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, I can't say goodbye. He hasn't been cut yet, so I'm just putting it out there. He might need a job. I've got a job offer for him. So, all right, uh, Ken, well, our next show is the show that we've basically been waiting for for six weeks. It's yep. it's our show to preview the week one, the games that matter, where Joe Flacco will actually play. Have you looked up how much Joe Flacco has actually played this preseason?
5: Uh, no, I have not. I have not looked at the total I, I am, play, but it's not much.
4: It's got to be single digit, percentage wise. Probably. It, it's it's unbelievable how small the the starting quarterback has played as, as we're getting ready to go into games that matter.
5: Yeah, he's he's been effective playing with that first team line, so I'm excited to see what that offense can do. On our next show, we're going to have some guys from Rockpile Report, which is a Bills podcast, and these guys are supposed to be pretty good. Uh, Chris Ferguson, who I think is related to the Bills' long snapper, so brush with greatness, you know, going on there, and then also uh, uh, another guy named Andrew Geyer, who is supposed to be a madman but really knows a lot about football. So we're looking forward to that podcast. We'll be recording that this week, and uh, and we'll post it before the first game.
4: Uh, see, now you're jinxing us. You never talk about people who are going to up come on shows because they're going to bail on us.
5: Yes, that, that is always a risk. And for, for whatever reason, in the podcasting world, there's a lot of no-shows at the last minute, but, uh, yes. but we do the best we can.
4: Yep, but either way, we'll be talking about Ravens-Bills and previewing that in the next game. So, uh, Ken, thanks for all your hard work in breaking through this 53-man, and enjoy a, uh, a weekend without football.
5: Take it easy, Josh.
3: Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select-bagged mulch, now starting at just 2.88 dollars a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location, while supplies last, U.S. only, excludes Alaska and Hawaii.